Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Support for this episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. Their newly released book, MIPS Manual 2020, is available on Amazon now. This book is great for practice administrators and clinicians who need to keep up with the changing healthcare laws. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Today, we're talking with Melissa Frieswick, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Maven Clinic. She works tirelessly to help women return to the workforce and live lives that are fulfilling both personally and professionally. We learned a lot from our conversation with her and think you will too. So let's jump in. So let me start off why I'm personally here within the health space. When I was 10 years old, I lost my grandfather to lung cancer. And this was a gentleman who had lived through the war. He had been a prisoner of war for a year. He worked really hard when he came back to the U.S. and then right after retirement was diagnosed. And over the last year of his life, I saw my mother who assumed this role of being caretaker, not just of our immediate family, my sibling, my father and I, but also of her parents. And she had to navigate at the same time this really complex system that she knew nothing about, right? The differences between chemotherapy and radiation and the different types of providers that they needed to get to, not to mention just the mental health that went with my grandfather feeling for the first time that he wasn't capable of taking care of his family, but then also even her own siblings as they leaned into her to really serve as the guide. And so that navigation of healthcare and seeing all those gaps that even at the young age of 10, I realized were there really led me into saying, I knew I wanted to spend my career somehow filling in those gaps. The reason that I'm at Maven specific is because I'm a mother. So my husband and I have three children. We have a freshman, a sophomore, and a senior, and they're wonderful. 
But I will tell you that we were the first friend in our friend group, if you will, to get married and then to become pregnant, which meant that there wasn't that support system that you could go through with your friends of experiencing all these things together. And so a lot of it was very unknown, and I didn't have a lot of people to lean into. Nobody in my family had ever had a breech baby, as my first was. Nobody had ever had a C-section, as all three of mine were. And um, my mom hadn't breastfed. And so even wanting to breastfeed was so different because I couldn't lean into the person who my whole life I have depended on is kind of being my staple. And so that was one experience. The second piece of it was my first day back from maternity leave. I actually was one of the 43% of women that opt out of the work environment, not because I really wanted to give up my career, but because in that moment I was so overwhelmed and I felt like there was no ability for me to be that kind of mother that I had been raised by and that I wanted to be and still keep up a career. And the reason that I'm here today is because at the time I was working for, and I'll share it with Cigna, they were amazing. And the leadership team there came up with a solution within literally 12 hours of me resigning to give me full-time work from home, even though I live 15 minutes from the office. Wow, right? Say was, that again? Yeah, literally 15 minutes from the office. But they very quickly understood. For me, it wasn't about not wanting to work. It was literally about not wanting to be in the home. And so they said to me, you know, get full-time care, bring them into your home, and then you can be there all the time. And it was wonderful. But without that innovation, without that willing to take a risk and invest in someone, to invest in an employee, I wouldn't be here today with this amazing career that I've experienced. But that's not a common experience. Experience. So somebody goes and they resign and then the, their organization says, you are too valuable and we're going to move mountains to make sure that you're happy. Like most yeah. mothers are not experiencing the same thing. That is a real blessing. Absolutely it is. So much so there was no way to not give it a try. But it's what leads me here today to say there's a lot of employers out there who understand the value of the talent that they have. And we need to find ways to help other managers understand that creativity and good process and good structure around your rules in the office can actually make a difference and it can retain really top talent. The final thing in my career that I think was really influential that led me to Maven again was I was actually in a point in my career after that had happened, I had transitioned to a different employer. And I remember someone who was, had been a mentor of mine for years, another female executive, she wanted me to come work for her. And, and I remember as we were negotiating, she said to me, you know, I'm going to offer you this compensation package. And I knew it was dramatically under where it should be. And she said to me, but you know what? Your husband has such a great career and we know that he does really well. So you really don't need to, you know, capture the entire compensation level that you're due because, you know, we, it's hard for us and, and you really don't need it. And I just remember at that point feeling like, but I do. And it's not about need. It's about I earned it. Mm-hmm. And would you be having this conversation if it were my husband instead of me? So I would say the accumulation of both the healthcare experiences and a lot of the gaps I felt through maternity but then also the return to work experience and seeing the beautiful side of what can be a good solution combined with this last and final part of feeling like as a female, I had to actually maybe fight a little bit harder for those things that would come so easily to my male counterparts. If you could live that time again and renegotiate that specific conversation, what would you do? In hindsight now, I think one thing I would have done was I probably would have walked away. 
And I think the reason for that is I very quickly negotiated my way out of that scenario and I ended up in a really good spot, but it was a good indicator of what kind of culture I would be embraced into. I remember another bit of advice that came further in, in my time or my tenure there was there was an individual, a male, very strong individual who didn't like that I would challenge or say, hey, I disagree about that. How about we look at it this way? And so they said, well, maybe when you do that, you could just say, I apologize for interrupting or I apologize for disagreeing. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) that's not happening. But my point is I probably could have identified the cultural gap there earlier. And I probably in hindsight would have walked away and sought a new opportunity. I just can't imagine saying, I'm sorry, you're not going to like what I'm about to say right now. But yeah. And why apologize? You hire me for my talent and for the way I think. So take advantage of it, right? So tell our listeners that may not know, what is Maven and what are you doing? Thank you. So Maven is this absolutely phenomenal company based in New York City. Founded and current CEO is Kate Ryder, who is just an amazing individual. The two of us think just work so well together. But Kate She actually had grown up as a journalist early in her career, and she lived in, I think it was about five countries very early in her career, and collected friendships and coworkers that maintained relationships along the way. And I think right around the same time as she was herself thinking about growing her family, many of those people were as well. And what Kate had noticed, and I think consistent with what many of us feel, is regardless of what couple you're talking about, whether they had a journey that started with fertility or went straight to maternity or suffered a loss, or maybe was a same-sex couple that was really struggling with adoption or surrogacy, no matter which path people take, everyone has a fragmented process. And Kate identified that, and rightfully so, and, and due to her initiative, decided that there was a way to do something different, not just here in the U.S., but really globally, as a lot of those partners and friends that she had were located abroad. And so with Maven, what we're trying to do right now is, our mission is really just to make sure that we help individuals thrive, right? As they are in their career, and as they're entering this time of their life, that's not only probably the most significant medical experience that they've had up to that time, but maybe even just personally, because the decision to start or grow a family is so significant. And so when we look at the data, if you just think about most of the individuals having children right now are millennials, and we have, what is it, one in eight actually struggle with infertility. So each round of fertility treatment is about $23,000. And on average, it takes 2.7 rounds to be successful. Think about even a different subset of that Almost 20% of millennials identify as LGBTQIA+. And those individuals, many of them are trying to adopt or have surrogacy. And there's only 14 countries that even allow same-sex adoptions, which is shocking. I found that shocking when I came on board. But even that, even if you're in a country where you can adopt, the waiting is much longer. And adoption and surrogacy, regardless of who you are, cost between $23,000 and $100,000 per child. Well, you start to bubble all this together and you realize it's not even just the healthcare gaps that are so significant, but it's also all these other experiences. And then probably the one that's most near and dear to my heart, because it just 
blows my mind, I've seen so many people struggle with it, is maternal mental health. Right? We know mental health is a huge concern here in the U.S., and, and really it's the number one issue of, in the global world, right? the global economy, for health is mental health. We have families in some countries where there's high suicide rates of new moms because they feel like they can't even talk about it. So what Maven's doing, kind of get back to our mission, is we have this wonderful engagement platform, mobile app. It engages individuals no matter what part of the journey they're on. So preconception with like egg freezing, someone who really is determined their career and they want to think ahead. They may want to freeze eggs, fertility, maternity, surrogacy, adoption, return to work, breast milk shipping. But we put all of those into one platform, end-to-end, all built in-house. And we actually layer it with a level of care coordination. So one care coordinator coordinator stays with you through the whole process as a member. So many of our members will start with, let's say, fertility, and they'll move to maternity, and they may suffer a loss, and then they'll go back to fertility, and then they'll go back to maternity, and eventually to return to work and breast milk shipping. But that one care coordinator stays with them through the whole journey and really becomes that trusted advisor, one that I know I would have loved to have as I was going through many of the issues when I was pregnant. And then the the third layer of that that goes on top of that is this wonderful telemedicine network. And so we've curated our own network. It's the largest women and families health telemedicine network in the U.S. But it has 1,700 providers. It has over 20 different kinds. So you think about some of the ones that come natural, OBGYN and pediatricians, and but also PT for pelvic floor therapy, which no one wants to talk about (laughs) unless you've been through it and you need it, and then you really want to talk about it. But some parts of the country, people don't have access. They don't even know that it exists. Reproductive endocrinologists, there's only 500 in the country and we've got four within our network. Wow. Yeah, think about if you're in Iowa, right? Or some area of the country where that's not even an option, you can have unlimited access to anyone in our network. And so the list goes on and on. There's well-being coaches and sleep coaches. And what we find is a lot of our families will come in and let's say they're struggling with breastfeeding, the meetings are 24-7. And so it can be in the evening when both parents are home and you sit down on the couch and you, through video conferencing or telemedicine, you're face-to-face with a lactation consultant actually talking about how to make it better. But then the very next night, you can be on with a nutritionist to understand what the foods you eat can impact on breast milk production. And then the next night, you could be with a sleep coach to say, you know what? You both need sleep, right? And so all this is included and it's unlimited. Are all of those people on call? So if like, do we have to make an appointment ahead of time or can I just log into the app and say, okay, I want to talk to a nutritionist right now? So this is the best part because honestly, when you're having trouble, you have a pain in your stomach or your baby's crying. It doesn't happen between nine and five, right? Most of the time. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) If you have an issue and you need care, right? It's shocking, I know. So the way that it's set up, and literally, I could open my app right now, and I can scan by any specialty and book an appointment, and they're about 15 minutes out, they start. Now, if you want one tomorrow, because you're planning ahead with your spouse, you can do that. But literally, any of my specialties, I could go on right now and show you appointments and availability within 15 minutes. Goodness gracious, that's amazing. It is. It's phenomenal when you're in that moment of care. And here's the thing. We don't want to get in the way of in-person care. In fact, we actually extremely value in-person care, which is why it makes sense for us to even work not only with employers and with consumers, but also with health plans, because we understand the value that they bring to the table. But the difference is, those appointments sometimes come weeks in between, right? And an average appointment is only about eight minutes. 
And so that's not enough time when you're dealing with something really stressful. And seriously, whether it's fertility, postpartum, or during the maternity, there's always something that heightens your anxiety and something that you worry about. And so you need to have availability at any hour. So it is a model that is very disruptive to our marketplace. And I would say really stands out, but it's what is the beauty of what makes this truly a unique solution. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but we wanted to let you know about a way you can support Hit Like a Girl podcast directly. We've partnered with patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, as a way for us to connect with our listeners and fans in a direct way and ask them to support us so we can continue creating more great content like this episode you're listening to. Patreon.com is not so much of a one-time contribution, but more like a subscription to provide support to independent creators like us. Patrons who pledge even just $2 a month give us the stability we need to continue producing podcast episodes. In return for your patronage, we're offering virtual high fives, personalized thank you notes, and even shout outs on our episodes. When you become a patron of Hit Like a Girl podcast, you're supporting our channel directly, so we won't be making podcast episodes for some viral audience or for ads. We're making them for you, our listeners. This allows us to focus on topics related to women, healthcare, and technology. With your support on patreon.com, we're able to spend that time having meaningful conversations and doing more great work that can positively impact the lives of other women in healthcare and tech. So join us on patreon.com and let's make something amazing together. So it sounds like you have all of these wraparound services for all different family types, very comprehensive, very accessible. You're meeting patients, consumers, caregivers, where they're at, regardless of how they're on this journey and what it looks like. Can we talk about something you touched on, and that is loss, whether it's a miscarriage or stillborn child, and somebody may not go back to that beginning point. I think there's a lot of people that topic is sometimes very quiet and very personal for people. It can be very isolating, and now you have a lot of people bringing some more attention to it, but I think it's something that's a very individualized journey for people on how that's experienced or how they, all the work that may have gone in on the front end of something like that happening, especially if they've been with you since the beginning or gone through IVF or surrogacy and it happens. Talk to us about what you do specifically there because that is not something, you know, you can be frustrated with breastfeeding for a while, but the long-term effects of that, you know, as a mom of three, I don't remember breastfeeding fondly, but something like that is something that's going to stick with somebody, you know, forever. Yeah, it's such an important part. And I know just from listening to the podcast, you have your own journey that this probably resonates really significant. And for me, I was someone who's so blessed to not experience it personally, but through friends. And I still can't even say without getting choked up because it is so personal and nobody does want to talk about it, right? When you sit with employers, employers, it doesn't come to mind to think about the loss scenario, but it's significant. No, I think it's typically thought of and more linear, right? Somebody's pregnant, the baby comes, the family's okay, we get the pediatrician, and, and we move forward, and that's not always the case. It's not, and I think sometimes as well, people also, there is this perception that they were pregnant, and then there was a loss, and the loss is something you recover from very quickly, and then you get back up because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a baby that they saw, right? But you know from being pregnant, 
boy, you know, feel it and you know it and it's that excitement. And so loss is just so devastating. And it's devastating not just for the person who had the child inside of them, but for their partners, for their family members, for other siblings that were in the household and were, you know, excited about it. And it also leads to high levels of anxiety if they do decide to go forward and try again. Absolutely. Right? There's a really, and, and this is part of the reason Even within our network, we have so many different kinds of mental health providers because every scenario is slightly different and requires a different type of approach. We spend a lot of time with members who suffer a loss to make sure that they're letting it kind of hit them, that they're processing it, that they feel good about talking about it, that them and their partners are talking about it. I think one of the saddest things is when you see couples start to frail and frazzle because they're suffering and they're not talking to one another or they're not talking to a therapist or someone that can help them through it. So it is a significant part. And we have a dedicated track that is just for couples that are going through and have experienced this. And then it's something that we keep in mind throughout the entire partnership that we work with them. That's excellent. That's good to know. Yeah. Thinking of our next question. Yeah. We like to use our imaginations and think about a magical world. If you could take away all of the barriers, money, time, resources, any other just barrier that is keeping you from, or all of us, from getting to the ultimate goal, in your mind. Yeah. If you could solve any problem within healthcare or health IT without having any of those issues, what would it be and why? I think if we were to step on a very global macro level, what I would love is a system where the gaps are transparent and we work in partnership to understand which vendors do the best job at each part of it. And instead of seeing a lot of point solutions that kind of address aspects of it, really looking for that holistic approach. And I think that's something that is pretty wonderful to think about, but we're a long ways from it. Tactically, when I think about what we're doing here at Maven, and I think about what is probably closer to being in our grasp that I think is so important that if I had unlimited funds here right now, what I would be able to tackle is I think it's maternal mental health is the area that I'd love to see us focus more on as a culture because everybody knows how important it is. Employers understand the impact to productivity, to absenteeism, to claims cost. Individuals who are part of families understand what it does to the mental health of the entire family. I've been shocked as we work with employers from different countries, and I had mentioned it earlier, but you hear about mothers committing suicide because they can't talk about it. That just bleeds. My heart bleeds for them and their families. And I can't think of anything worse than a child growing up without both parents because we were so afraid to tackle a subject that is, we know how to fix it. We know what it takes. We just need to make it more acceptable and um, we need to help it happen. I think the other thing that ties in very closely with that is we have one of the highest maternal death rates in the U.S. of all developed countries, which blows my mind. You know, how could that be? And half of maternal deaths are actually control and preventable. And it comes down to access to care, under diagnosing medical conditions, under treating them. I mean, these are very simplistic things that we could fix. So I think if I had the money, and I, I do think, unfortunately, sometimes money drives the innovation. Those are the areas I personally would love to see us really focus in on. I'd be curious to hear either yours or the Maven perspective on what's going on with reproductive health right now in our own country and just how we're getting stuff taken away. Are you guys complimenting or how do you engage or what is your take on 
what's going on politically. Yeah. I know that's... It's definitely a, you know, a sensitive subject. And I guess what I would say is everyone has... The beauty of our country is we embrace everyone's views and, and everyone has the right to a very specific view on how they feel all of this should be approached. So I certainly won't comment on the good or the bad or you know anything specific. But I will say that I think it's important that we have companies like Maven that are for-profit, that are independent, and are actually trying to tackle what's the right thing to do by women's health and families in general. And we have to balance that with, you know, what's the impact of things that we allow access to and when things and access are taken away? What's the impact to the greater community and to that individual in their own world within their family? It's a very tough scenario. I guess dovetailing at a more kind of macro level, not necessarily focused on reproductive health, but when you talk about your wish to, on focusing on maternal mental health, Maven has the services. You're connected to the patients, the consumers, the caregivers, the people that are part of this family and journey. What do you do to bring attention to that, to say, let's be having these conversations, whether they're difficult, whether they're with employers. What does that look like for you all? What are your, some of your efforts that surround that to, to get that dialogue going? Absolutely. You know, if anyone has listened to this podcast who maybe is a young entrepreneur and trying to think about where they want to make their mark, I would say the most important thing, right, is to understand how do you build your message and get broad distribution. And that's really to your question is, how do we make this a broad distribution, a conversation? And I think that the, the approach there is, and something that Maven did, is in the very beginning, the initial program, we worked directly with the consumers because we had to make sure that we were getting it right. We were building it in a way that consumers would engage without anyone incentivizing or pushing them to do so. And so that's one aspect. But as we started to grow, and now we are probably the oldest within our industry, even though it's a very young industry, what we realized was broad application, reaching the most people, that's where employers come in, right? Because in most households, at least one parent or adult is working, which means that they fall underneath an employer who can really invest in them, regardless of whether they cover the healthcare expense. Because let's be honest, a lot of this has to do with productivity. And so it doesn't matter whether it's in the U.S. and you don't cover healthcare or you're an employer outside of the U.S., you have the ability to influence a large population. And so I think first and foremost, our goal is to work with employer groups so we can get that broad reach. And there's a lot of awesome employers in the U.S., some that we've already begun partnering with and more that we're, you know, in conversations with now. But I think that is one piece. The second natural progression to that is health plans. As I said earlier, there's a lot of value in health plans, and we don't want to replace in-person care. Our network is totally different than the network that they provide coverage for. But again, they have access to so many individuals. And so the more that we can work with health plans and employers, we can get that message out, we can get the conversation started. And then at wonderful events like the health conference and MBGH and conference board, we can have the dialogue up on stages and again, impact even broader audiences. And even a couple months ago, Kate Ryder, our, our CEO was on the Today Show. Even that kind of right exposure that maybe someone was sitting there and it inspired them to go into work differently or talk to a spouse who maybe went into work with a different mindset the next day. I think it's that messaging that will help get the conversation really in mo momentum. Our third question is really just talking about 
how do we keep up, right? Yeah. So healthcare and this whole world is super complex and changing constantly. So what do you do to stay up to date on this changing environment? What do you read? What do you listen to? So I thought a lot about this question because I know you ask it of all your guests. And I think that if I had to categorize it, and I am such a categorizer, I could put a spreadsheet to anything. But there's three categories I always think about. The first and foremost is reading and listening. And I think that's just the traditional educational mind that I have. My father was an educator, and I just remember from a very young age him really inspiring this desire to learn. And in traditional, and I'm a little bit older, so you know, we did it through reading. And, and so I I always loved market journals and books, but also as the ages have come about with things like podcasts, my son has a soccer practice that lasts two hours in the summer. And so I typically put on earphones, right? And I listen to podcasts for continuously as I walk the track for two hours. Like it's a great way to release and just get exposed to so many new ideas. The second thing is experiences. So going to conferences, right? Wonderful. There was a discussion at today's conference that I thought was awesome. Nancy Brown led it. And she actually put three individuals with completely different mindsets on the stage together and literally had them have a real debate, like a conversation. So many times we're so worried about getting and being perceived as nice and kind that we actually don't have the tough conversation and dialogue. So I love marketplace events that have true dialogue to them. I also love going to things like the TEDx events. There's one in Boston every year. I love it because it's not just about my space, but when I listen to how people are approaching financial topics, or even there was one I heard once on traffic, or Sean Acor is one of my most favorite TED Talks, all right, the pursuit of ha- just the whole concept around happiness and his book that followed, but phenomenal there. So I think putting yourself in experiences is wonderful. And then the third one that I close with is community. And I think people overlook this sometimes because they think about learning as being either experiential or traditional. But I would actually say it's also about the community you place around you. So when I was building out my team at Maven and at other companies, I always look for diversity of thought. I don't want people who have the same background, and I certainly don't want people who are my background, because I'm looking for the individuals who are going to come in and be like, hey, fresh set of eyes, this could be better, right? Or let's look at totally different. We have a gentleman in our company at Maven, and he has a phenomenal consumer background for brand. And when he first came on board, I was struggling because he looked at everything so consumer. And I frustrated him because I looked at everything so enterprise. And what we found is after a couple months, this beautiful synergy where now he's one of my favorite people to talk to because I know he brought a different perspective to how I see the world and how I see the application of our program. So I think putting that community around you, whether it's simple tools like LinkedIn and just following how different people think or just the community you have like in a work environment or your friend groups or book clubs at night, right? That's the other place that I find a lot of um, ability to learn and recharge. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Those are actually really thoughtful answers. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. It was good to um, kind of collect some thoughts and put them together. So if people want to reach you personally or they want to learn more about Maven, are you on the socials? What are your handles? How can they find you? Absolutely. And I encourage anyone, I would love to connect with any of the audience members who heard this and certainly send me a note. LinkedIn is wonderful. You can definitely connect with me through there. I think I'm the only Melissa Frieswick on it. Mavenclinic.com. 
will teach you a little bit more, provide more information about Maven on a whole. And then I think just um, just in the marketplace, anyone who is in this space, certainly I try to get to every conference, but look me up and I'd love to connect. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it was great talking with you, Melissa. Thank you. Take care. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. You can find out more about them at www.chirpybirdinc.com.